to part two of our TSPN series. Yeah, we have made two episodes for you in our second week. So if you missed part one, we went over some stuff with the Chiefs game this past weekend. We went through a little game where we did our top three theories that we are still holding on to. And then as fate would have it, I am a procrastinator at my core. And Jesse and I worked a little bit ahead this week and uh, God punished us for that because there has been some major developments to one of the theories that we discussed. So now we've got to talk about that just because this episode is coming out on the following Friday and we want to make sure that you have the most up-to-date, well, aside from the editing process, the most up-to-date that we can give you content. So um, first, we're going to go ahead and play through some pre-recorded Grammy stuff that we did on Sunday of this week. That was Sunday, January 14th. So we're going to play through what we already had cooking for you. And then Jesse and I will come back and discuss the Argyle theory and the most recent updates there. And of course, if you haven't listened to part one, go ahead and listen back to it, especially as it pertains to the Argyle stuff. We talked about it in detail as if it was still a theory that would come to fruition. But I think there's a lot of good nuggets there that are worthy of listening to. Um, and so, yeah, we'll get started. Let's get right into the Grammys talk. All right, great. Well, let's look at the Grammys. So we are headed into the 66th annual Grammys. Is that correct? That is correct. That is correct. They will be this um, February. So it's February 4th, which is a Sunday. Um, it's a few weeks out now, but depending on when you're listening to this, it may be pretty quickly uh, around the corner. And then also, interestingly enough, it is on kind of a bye week with the NFL. So we may see Travis attending because there wouldn't be any opportunity for him to be actually playing. However, the Chiefs do make it to the Super Bowl, you know. He might have to practice or something. I'm not sure. Um, so let's let's get into it. Jesse, do you want to do a quick recap of some of the highlights from past years? So, yeah, I wanted to say first um, that if Travis does show up to the Grammys and walks a red carpet with her, this would be the first time that she's had a significant other walk a red carpet with her. It would be like history. You know? Yes, which is insane because she is 34 years old and has attended many, many rep carpets. So, mm -hmm. and you know, she wasn't always uh, with somebody at that time. So it's not to say that you know every red carpet she had the opportunity for that. But um, yeah, it would it would be pretty phenomenal. And I would expect it to be honest with how much of a public display of affection that we had near the end of the Eras tour, and then of course her showing up to all these games. Like she's not holding back anything. So I'm not sure if he would have any actual uh, you know conflicts with football. Um, I'm a huge Chiefs fan even before Taylor, so like I want the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl. Um, but if they don't, then. <laughs> He's definitely probably going to the Grammys. So. Yeah. Well, right. we'll do this recap, and then we are going to talk about my theory that I have literally just developed tonight. So yes. Yeah, let's talk about that. Taylor. Forget Travis. He's secondary. He's like the Ken. So let's <laughs> talk about Barbie. Well, for starters, Taylor, as a history with the Grammys, has been nominated 42 times, which is out of control. I mean, that's amazing in and of itself. She has won, I believe, 11 of those Grammys so far. All right. So I decided to fact check that after doing some editing here. And the actual count of nominations is 52 and the actual wins is 12. I did check the rest of the episode, and I swear that's the only place where we got it wrong, but I did want to interject here and make sure that we got those counts right and gave credit where it's due. Um, so I will just let this continue to play on as normal. So sorry about that, guys. Great. Should we take a little look at some of the years here? I think it started in 2008, right, with her first Grammy. She was 17 when the nominations came out. Um, yes. And she, she actually, yeah, she skipped her prom to attend the 2008 Grammys. Well, she that's was, a flex. <laughs> yeah, she was, um, she actually was 17 years old and they had her announce the nominees. Oh, she so did? Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. So that's its own kind of ceremony in itself when they do the announcements. Yep, yep. And she actually was doing announcements and 
she announced that she was in a category. She got nominated for, I believe it was... It's like Best New Artist. Yes, Best New Artist. And then when she turned 18 days later, she decided to go to the Grammys in February and miss her prom. Yep, which actually led to... Do you remember that MTV special where she like went to some the prom with somebody? Yeah, yeah. Was it that a was Marine? Weird. Or was it like, was that the same thing or was that different? No, it was like, I think it was just some, it was back when MTV did like a bunch of gimmicky shows. I feel like it was the days of like the next bus, if my memory is aligning correctly, like just bad shitty shows. But yeah, she, um, she like people entered to go to prom with her and she chose somebody and was just this, you know, cute young guy that I'm sure he had a heartwarming story. And then she got to go to her first prom. Anyway, that is, I don't recommend that. I tell people all the time on this pod, go look that up. You don't need to look (laughs) that episode up. I promise it's not good. Cheesy, a little bit yeah, cheesy. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. So she chose the right thing going to the Grammys, but did not have to do the weird MTV follow-up bit. Um, okay, great. Going on from that, we have 2009, where she performed 15, the song from Fearless, and she did it as a duet with Miley Cyrus. So in 2010, this was where she started getting some wins. So um, best female vocal performance for White Horse, which was on Fearless. We also had best country song for White Horse, best country album for Fearless. And then this was her first time winning the album of the year. And that was for Fearless. Huge, huge year for Taylor. Huge. She was the youngest to win album of the year as well, correct? Correct. She's the youngest person to win album of the year. Um, so she won for Fearless, which totally deserved it. I mean, just it, you know, it's more of a country based album. But when you listen to it, like songs like 15, it transcends time and space and genres. And, you know, Fearless is just one of those albums that sticks with you. I think that she started her re-record process with fearless on purpose as a statement like i'm fearless to do this yes well and also fearless was has some of her best hits right like when you watch the eras tour movie or if you were lucky enough to go to the eras tour itself that set is it just it's hit after hit right like Love Story. To me, Love Story is one of those songs that I don't like think to put on the radio or whenever I'm like listening in my car. It's not like something that I feel drawn to listen to. But when I hear it, I'm like, fuck, this is a really good song. And it kind of like fills you with like dopamine and serotonin. Like your your brain just gets happy. And it's um, one of the first kind of entry points where people I think really started to respect her as a songwriter. Um, her debut album had beautiful, well-written albums, but Fearless was like well-written, well-produced and commercially successful. Like all the the little trio of perfection there. Oh, it's definitely when she blew up. And actually mm-hmm. I was, I went to the Fearless tour so when Ooh. she came, yeah, when she came out at the Eras tour and did the, she was doing the spin and the yes. kicking, oh, it gets me every time. I believe she had in 2010, I believe she had eight nominations. So she won four. Damn. And she, she lost four, but I mean, eight nominations for someone that young. Yeah. Um, and for her sophomore album being just her second. So And um, not only that, I mean she played she she performed Today Was a Fairy Tale, Rhiannon, and You Belong With Me. And the last two were with Stevie Nicks. Why don't I remember any of those performances? I may have to get on YouTube later. Like nothing about that is draw drawing a memory. Yeah. But what's weird, though, wasn't Stevie Nicks mentioned or quoted in the Time Person of the Year article? Yeah, she she was was one of the she was one of the people that gave a quote. And Stevie Nicks just had a Barbie made for her. So (laughs) I don't know how this is aligning, but it feels like it is. It is for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. 
Well, great. Well, let's talk. So that was 2010. Jumping into 2012, we had three nominations and she took home two wins. So this would have been during the Speak Now era. She didn't get anything big for the album, unfortunately, um, but she did get a couple nominations for the song Mean. So that was Best Country Solo Performance for Mean and then also the Best Country Song for Mean. So so great that she got to take home a couple. Um, a little bit sad. The Speak Now was her only album that she really ever wrote um, fully solo. And so I bet that that was disappointing for her to not get big nominations. Yeah, absolutely. She also performed Mean at the Grammys. And it was one of the first and only times she doesn't do this much where she changed the lyric to fit the occasion. So she says, you know, but someday I'll be singing this at the Grammys and all you're ever going to be is mean. Mean is about um, a radio DJ who is now, he was in Nashville, I believe, and now he's in Texas. He's at a little radio station now, of course, but um, he just didn't like her voice and her songs and he was just ruthless with her on Nashville radio. And she yep. wrote that song about him. Yeah, and then she sang it at the Grammys, so that was her, yeah, someday yeah. I'll be singing this at the Grammys. That is a performance that I do remember and that I would recommend somebody going on YouTube and finding because that one was really great. Mm -hmm. Okay, so for 2013, um, Taylor played We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together off of Red. She was nominated for Record of the Year for the same song. Um, best country duo pop performance for safe and sound with the civil wars at the time. And she did win best song written for visual media for safe and sound from the hunger games. So it was kind of a weird year cause we didn't fully, she wasn't fully with red at that Grammys, but there was some lead singles that she was nominated for. But again, she only had one win and that was for safe and sound, which I think is one of her most beautiful songs. Um, but yes. she actually opened this Grammys with We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together, definitely giving us a taste of what was to come with Red. Yes. Well, For and just sure. the, you know, the glow up of going from being best new artist to then performing at each of the following ones. And now she is the lead performer. Like that says a lot about her commercial success because the Grammys is not going to kick off a perform or a show. They're not going to kick off one of their shows without something that's going to get people excited and wanting to stay. Absolutely. Great. So that was 2013. So 2014, we didn't get any wins. Unfortunately, she didn't get take home any trophies, but she did get the three nominations. And one of those included album of the year for red. And then the performance that she had was the all too well performance. This was an iconic performance that you could watch again and again. It's so great. I mean, it's the one where she's at the piano and she's, I know you've seen it. She's throwing her head back and like, just like whiplash at two. She's so immersed in the song. And I think from there, even before that, All Too Well was kind of like a cult favorite. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just, and I know it's one of her favorites on the album. It is her favorite song on the album, but it was ours too. All right. So for 2015, we've got three nominations for Shake It Off. Um, however, the 1989 album didn't make the cutoff that year. So while it was released in 2014, Taylor has a tricky way of doing this with a lot of her albums where she'll have the lead singles come out before the cutoff date of the Grammys so that it actually gives her two Grammy cycles. You've got your lead single being able to get song nominations and then the following year the album which comes out after the cutoff is able to get nominated. So in 2015, we were just dealing with singles and Shake It Off got three nominations, but no wins. Um, but then leading into 2016, this was a huge year at the Grammys. Obviously, 1989 was a huge commercial success and was very, very well renowned in the music industry by critics alike. So the seven nominations she had, she took home three of them. So... Yeah. In least important to most important order, we've got best music video for Bad Blood, best pop vocal album for 1989. And then she also got her second album of the year win, which is the one of the most honorable and coveted awards you can earn at the Grammys. Yeah, in all of music, really. Truly. 
So yeah, she won for 89 album of the year. Um, it just 89 transcends it. It transcends the, she really tried to do it with red going into pop, but she didn't really get it, get it right until 89. Not to say red's not an amazing album. It's an amazing album. Well, it's but, about it being like sonically cohesive and really, um, yeah. it's, it's, it's about start to finish it having its own story and feeling like the songs are all collectively part of the safe grouping. And I think since red, which I know she was disappointed about not getting nominated for, um, she really has knocked out sonically cohesive albums, like all of her yes. albums, I would say lovers, not a hundred percent. Um, but other than that, you can, you can listen to a song and know what album it's from. Yeah. She actually, um, opened that Grammys again with out of the woods so, Classic. I mean, just a huge, huge Grammys year for her. Definitely. Yes. So 2017, we don't see Taylor. 2018, she has two nominations, but no wins. What were those nominations, Jesse? Um, Best Country Song for Better Man, which ah. was covered by Sugarland. Yeah, it was originally recorded. It wasn't technically a cover, I would assume. Yeah, no, not a cover. It was recorded by Sugarland, and um, she wrote it. And then mm -hmm. she was up for best song written for visual media for "I Don't Want to Live Forever" from Fifty Shades Darker with Zayn. Um, but unfortunately, she did not win either nope. of those. All right, we're headed to 2019, and we've got one nomination but no wins. What happened in 2019? So 2019 is what you are seeing on the Miss Americana documentary where she's holding the phone mm. and she's listening yep. to Tree tell her that she is not nominated for reputation in any of the big categories. And you could just see her whole persona just fall. And then she's like, it's okay. It's okay. I just need to make a better album. I just, I mean, that is her growth mindset. She is just rolling yep. out like ready to go for the next one but she was um she ended up getting nominated for best pop vocal album she okay. didn't win well and isn't it crazy that i feel like for newer swifties that are just now getting into the different albums and listening back to the different eras reputation is such a favorite so many people listen to that album and are just blown away by it and it's insane to look back and just it was not well received by critics no. um, or the music industry, really. Even as a fan, it felt a little risky. I mean, I love Taylor and I love everything she does, but I remember when it came out being like, oof, this is, yeah. I mean, she went full force. I'm pissed and I'm going to write an album about it, which now is like great feminism, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, honest, honestly, I didn't, I didn't, re I love Taylor, obviously, but I didn't receive reputation as well as I did later when I listened to it later. And mm -hmm. now, I mean, it's, it's an amazing, amazing album. It's Jack Antonoff's favorite album he's done with her. Um, yeah. I think that reputation Taylor's version is going to get the love it deserved. Okay. So 2019, so 2020, we've got, what would have been nominated in 2020? We've got three nominations here, but no wins. Yeah, so we have three nominations. Um, we have Lover, which was out. Okay, yep. that that was the follow-up to rep. Song of the Year, Lover. Best Pop Vocal Album for Lover. Best Pop Solo Performance, You Need to Calm Down. She didn't win any. So I don't think Lover was as big of a commercial success as it could have been. Now, I'm a big Lover stan, obviously. I hey lovers. Yes. <laughs> hey lovers. Um, I think that COVID-19 fucked with that rollout. Yeah. Big time. I agree. I agree. I mean, it fucked with a lot of things, but it really fucked with that rollout, especially because yeah. songs like Cruel Summer never really even got there. You know, I would think that in the summer of 2020 would have been when she would have released that as a single and given it its own music video and all of that. I mean, Loverfest got canceled. She had several more singles she wanted to release from that album. I mean, it's my favorite era aesthetic wise. I, I mean, it was it was a beautifully um, executed era aesthetically. Right. Yes. Um, but it just uh, as it just didn't hit. And I think people were just too focused on COVID. I mean, 
as they should have been. Like COVID was awful. And Lover doesn't really fit with the COVID with the COVID. No, the good vibes and the yeah. COVID was very detrimental to the success of Lover, but it was a light for folklore. So next came folklore, which surprised everybody. Yes. The 2021 Grammy Awards. Um, Taylor was up for album of the year for folklore and she won. So this is her third win for album of the year. So folklore came out in the summer of 2020 and Evermore came out in December 2020. So Evermore wasn't really eligible for anything at that 2021 Grammy ceremony, um, even though she might have sang Willow because Evermore was out and she could sing whatever the hell Mm -hmm. she wants. um, This was really the year for folklore to be on the nominations. And I know there's a definite cutoff and I know it's in October. I just don't know if it's like October 31st or if it's like October 16th. It's got to be earlier because think about like 1989 came out October 27th of 2014. And that was one that we just talked about getting cut. So I think it's probably mid-October. Okay. We could probably Google it. Yeah. So that actually, I mean, folklore not having any real marketing or fanfare i mean it was just released i mean she recorded it in her home same as evermore and that wins album of the year because that's gonna go down in history as being the album of covid like for sure it got people through so much like mirror ball like send home the horses and the rodeo clowns that's talking about sending everyone home for lover fest because she couldn't you know do it so it was it it does have those themes throughout the album folklore being recognized for album of the year was such a gift you know i think for so long she was making these big pop blowout you know very well produced albums and so for her to get the recognition that she always wants out of this which is the album of the year title on one of her most pared down and artistically unique when it comes to her songwriting and telling stories I think really validates that this will not be the last time we get I know we had Evermore but we already had it by then so mm-hmm. Evermore and Folklore got well we'll talk about Evermore here in a moment but Folklore got it's uh it's Grammy that really was well-deserved. It's a phenomenal album. Absolutely. Lyrically, it's her best. I mean, lyrically. I mean, Midnight's is very good lyrically. But yeah, so 2022 Grammys, Evermore was up for Album of the Year. However, she did not attend that Grammys and she did not win. I think she probably had a feeling she wasn't going to win Um, just because winning twice, you know, two years in a row. So yeah, people say that Folklore is the better album and Evermore has the better singles. And I definitely agree with that. I think, you know, when it comes to awarding the album as an album, Folklore, I'm glad it won over Evermore. Um, Mm -hmm. But some of our favorite hits from that kind of folksy vibe and era are Evermore songs. All right, so 2023, which would have been last year's Grammys about a year ago in February, she was nominated for four nominations, and she took home one win in the category of Best Music Video Short Form, and that was for her short film, All Too Well, for the 10-minute version. Um, Jesse, what else was she nominated for? Anything notable there? She was nominated for Song of the Year for All Too Well 10. Um mm-hmm. Best country song, I Bet You Think About Me, Taylor's version from The Vault. Yep. Best song written for visual media for Carolina. So that was that was a grab bag. Man, really. that was a mix. That was like a little uh, trail mix. Yeah. And this was the Grammys you guys probably remember the most because this is the one where she was towards the front and she was dancing the whole time in her two-piece blue dress and she was up dancing with like bad bunny and talking about easter eggs with trevor noah i mean this was a a big deal but yes yeah and her earrings were like in those diamond shape they look a little argyle yes they did and this is the year actually i'm a big harry styles fan and i was so proud of him because he won album of the year for harry's house and he did not have a very well received um reception for that and taylor stood up 
and just clapped the entire time and stood through his entire speech. And I really give her props for that. Absolutely. Let's so talk about this year. So we're going into the 66th annual Grammys on February 4th, 2024. Jesse, yes. what does this mean? Okay. So this theory that I'm developing now, because so many sixes are coming to mind and Reputation is the sixth album, right? Yes. Nobody knows how or when she's going to announce Reputation. First, it was going to be November 26th, the last concert of 2023. That didn't happen. Nope. Um, so we're all just kind of out here wondering, right? So we have the 66th Grammys. Okay. On two, four of 24. So two plus four is six of 24. Two plus four is six. There's another double six. Six, six. Love that. She is up for six nominations. <laughs> She's not. She is. Okay. Six, no six nominations. So I have not heard if she's going to perform. I doubt she'll perform. But um, she's out. She's up for album of the year for Midnight's, which I think she'll get. I, I think she'll get. I would be surprised if she didn't. Uh, same. Same. And I'm wondering, since there's so many sixes, is she going to pull a Midnight and announce it after winning album of the year? Oh, my God. I just watched the VMA acceptance of speech today. I was going and we won't even talk about where what rabbit hole I was down. But oh yeah, so when she says Midnight's there, what happened was she won an award for the VMAs. I don't even recall what award it was. Do you? Um, I believe it was Best Music Video. Like best it was music the video. biggest award of the night. It was the, the biggest award of the night. <clears throat> and she said, I she said, I'm gonna paraphrase here, but she said, I promised myself if you guys would have done me the honor of giving me this award tonight that I would repay you and tell you that my new album drops and she just and she goes, Meet me at midnight and I'll tell you more. So she didn't say the title. Well, I guess she did say the title of the album, but she didn't tell us it was the title um but she she just said the date of the album and was like meet me at midnight for more info and it was off timing like she gosh she was just doing the re-records i guess we were already in 2022 so we were two years out from evermore so just thinking about the cadence of when she announces and drops albums i don't know about you i did not expect midnights like it felt like a surprise it was a surprise but once she started talking, I knew something was going to happen. I didn't know if it was going to be a re-record or not. I was, I thought personally, I had done a lot of TikToks on this, that I thought TS10 was going to come before more of the re-records and everyone thought I was crazy, but I wasn't. Look at you. Who's laughing now? Exactly. But yeah, so she's, okay, so she's up for album of the year with Midnight's, which yes. with the commercial success of Midnight's and her being time person of the year and the heiress tour, I can't imagine her not winning album of the year, right? Well, another interesting fact is uh, during the Midnight's release, she had 10 of the top 10 Billboard spots and that had never happened in history. And it was also the first time that there was not a man in the top 10 Billboard Hot 100. Right. So like the fact that not only did the album had commercial success, it led to this tour, you know, you can talk about millions of album sales, but for her to hold all top 10 spots of the most coveted ranking system that we have in the music industry, like if she doesn't, that almost feels like a shun. Like I, I've, I hate to be like, so oh, Taylor, everything, but, um, but of all the albums she's done, especially because it is sonically cohesive, you know, it's not weird. It's a beautifully done album. It's my personal favorite. It's it's an amazing album. Amazing. So with my theory, with all the sixes happening, and you know our girl loves numerology. So the fact that the date adds up to two sixes, right? Yep. 66 and annual. 66, yeah, 66th annual. Um, I just, I feel like she's going to get up there and it could just, that could just be her push 
to get up there and accept an award and say, uh, by the way, Reputation Taylor's version. Now, I'll be really, um, really interested to see what she wears because if she's, we know she's going to win one of these awards at least, but oh, like yeah. she's, she's taking something home. Yeah. So I'm interested to see if what she wears is really reputation coded. Um, because I do think that she's dropped enough hints and clues that that'll be the next re-record. I do too. Even recently, some of the stuff she's been wearing, she had the bait boots with the snakes and, yep. um, well, and I just pulled out my phone and looked, uh, that Sunday is the start of the sixth week of the year. Oh my goodness. Stop. Okay. Yeah. So there, <laughs> there it is. I mean, like I, I really, so now my theory is she's going to announce it at the Grammys. Yes. And then if it, if it falls in line with the 112 theory, which shout out to Nikki King, who really started that one. And, um, if you don't know about the 112 theory, we'll get Nikki on here, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's a big one. She's got to explain it. Yeah. (laughs) We're not going to even try. Um, but, but, uh, the, her, the date for the next 112 drop would be 216. So February 16th. So it is possible that if she announced it on February 4th at the Grammys, that would be enough lead time and reputation baby does not need much more lead time than that. Like, we will pre-order the shit out of it. If anything, there may be production issues, I would say. Like, I don't know how quickly they can get vinyls pressed and out the door. Because if you think about it, there definitely has to be some secrecy there. But I don't pretend to know anything about how that actually works. So let's just say magic can happen. I Well, and I think the vinyls have been done and pressed. And they're done. They're just waiting in her little warehouse till she ships them out, honestly. Yeah. Well, you know. And- Here's the thing, too. I want to throw out that I don't think Reputation is next, and I think Debut is next. What? Yeah. Girl, you... Okay, okay. Tell me tell me about this. Because I think that she has cadenced the re-records to be less successful in the spring, more successful in the fall. So when you think about this past year, she did Speak Now over the summer, right? And Speak Now had plenty of records. The, you know, the re-record did well, but I don't think Taylor or anybody was like, yeah, Speak Now is going to be one of the most commercially successful re-records, right? So then she put um, 1989 in line seasonally with how she's always dropped records. And I do think there's probably some logic behind that, you know, as far as consumer behaviors and leading up into the holiday and all of that. And so to me, if reputation is going to be her biggest drop, it's going to be dropped in the fall. Not, and I, I don't want to discount 112 theory. We'll be laughing when all of this is, you know, null and void here in a few weeks, <laughs> but, um, but that's my thought. So then I'm like, maybe debut will be this summer's album. I mean, according to Nikki's one twelve theory, I think that she has that slotted for six seven. She does as a release. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. I've always looked at Reputation as a winter album, just exactly. by New Year's Day. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. I haven't had a like a theory theory in a while. So we'll see if this Grammys thing pans out. Probably not, but we'll see. Yeah, maybe maybe two sixteen will be her TS eleven brand new album, and then we'll get uh, that's whole, that's a whole nother conversation. Do we think that TS eleven is going to come this year? We'll, see again, we'll coming that. back to the cadence of releases, I'd be really surprised if she released something in the spring. It just she never has, and I don't know. I haven't really looked that much into like other uh, artists and their commercial success around when they drop albums. But I would imagine. I mean, if you've ever worked in retail or done marketing, every industry mm-hmm. has seasonality. I can see her waiting and doing TS11 in the fall or towards the end of the Eras tour. Yeah. Well, like reputation will break records, whether it's dropped tomorrow or in the fall. But I think it's really how much over the record is it capable of going? And that's where I think, you know, leading into the holidays and all that has a lot of impact. So true. We will see. Um, All right. What else is she nominated for? Did we cover that one yet? Do you want to touch on the other Um, ones? Yeah, she is nominated, obviously, for Album of the Year for Midnight's, which I think she will get. Um, She is nominated for Song of the Year with Antihero, Record of the Year with Antihero, Pop Vocal Album for Midnight's, Pop Duo Group um, Performance with Ice Spice for Karma, 
and pop solo performance for Antihero. Love that. Six, six nominations. So maybe the universe is just telling her, hey, you're going to have to announce reputation. Yeah. Does she realize this? Like maybe she wasn't planning it. She was thinking the fall and then she's like, well, shit, I got to get my stuff together and release. All right, great. Well, that kind of recaps for Grammys. Time to circle back and talk about Argyle. So as of today, which is January 16th, it is a Tuesday. Matthew Vaughn, who is the creator of the Argyle movie, he's the director, but on all of the marketing posters, it says from the twisted mind of Matthew Vaughn. That is his name, Matthew, right? Matthew Matthew Vaughn. Vaughn. (laughs) Thank you. Um, From the twisted mind of Matthew Vaughn. So he is a very integral part of this. He went on record and has stated that it's not Taylor Swift. Jesse has all the details about exactly what was said, because some of that is pretty effed up, in my opinion, the way that he went about it. It's very gaslighty and like, oh, I didn't know. Um, And then we'll talk a little bit about some of the things that led up to the Argyle theory as well. So Jesse kick it off. What happened? All right. Well, okay. So I'm going to read you guys actually um, an excerpt from Rolling Stone that came out today, I believe, um, where they are interviewing Matthew Vaughn. And he says, Matt um, Vaughn, the filmmaker behind Layer Cake, Kick-Ass, X-Men, First Class, and Kingsman, is adamant there is a real Ellie Conway. All right. He goes on to say, there is a real book, and it's a really good book, and there is an Ellie Conway who wrote the book, but it's not Taylor Swift, he maintains. And this is where, this is where I get pissed, okay? And I say that because I imagine Taylor Swift has a load of people trying to jump on her bandwagon left, right, and center, and I don't want to be a part of that club. I did read the conspiracies, and I was like, wow, they don't leave a stone unturned, but it's not Taylor Swift. She definitely didn't write the book. Yep. And then do you want to also read us, I mean, that that alone, we got to unpack. We'll get back, but, yeah, we'll get back to the tone of that for sure. Yeah, but let's talk Here, about him, how we found out that yes. we were, it's crazy people on the internet were thinking it was Taylor. How did he find that one out? Okay, so one of my biggest pet peeves is when celebrities say they're not on the internet, they don't know what's going on in the world, they don't Google themselves, this and that. I mean, come on. But here we go. Here we go again. Um, Matthew Vaughn, same article who says that, alas, the rumors are not true. I'm not a big internet guy. And it was actually my daughter who came up to me. This is the power of celebrity and the internet. And said, you never told me Taylor wrote the book, recalls Vaughn. And I'm looking at her going, what are you talking about? Taylor Swift wrote the book. She didn't write the book. And I was laughing because I was like, it's not true. She didn't write the book, but my daughter was convinced of it. All right. Well, I think it's important to note that Jesse's very first video about Argyle, which went mega viral and was even mentioned in major publications like Vanity Fair. Vogue. What Vogue. I'm sorry. It was Vogue, wasn't it? Or was both. it both? Both. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Jesse was not only name dropped, like shout out to Jesse. Um, but this book in this movie received major publicity by major publications back in October of 2023. We are sitting mid January. And if this interaction with his daughter occurred, it happened in October of 2023. I believe either that's the case and they withheld coming clean about it. Or he's just lying because his wife, Claudia Schiffer, runs the Instagram account for Chip the Cat, which is the official like Instagram. It posts about the video. It has tens of thousands of followers. Actually, Jesse, do you want to look that up real quick? Is it more than that? Is it hundreds yeah, of thousands? Chip, Chip the Cat is actually the cat, the Scottish fold that they use yes. in the film. Exactly. Um, and point. it's it's Matthew Vaughn and Claudia Schiffer's cat. Um. 
And it just so happens that Claudia Schiffer wrote a book recently from the viewpoint of Chip the Cat. Yeah, so they're profiting um, off of Chip the Cat, which is fine. Like, you know, there's many layers to the Argyle kind of series here. But 11. Yeah, it has 11,000 followers. Um, okay. So but it, several. I mean, if you scroll back and this is verified as well. If you scroll back to around the time I started this theory, they were posting quotes from Taylor Swift. They were posting oh Taylor Swift herself. They were posting her cats. Her cats um, with Chip the cat photoshopped with the caption, like we're on the bleachers, quoting Taylor lines. Like this was so Taylor coded. And so we're like, you know, Claudia Schiffer and Matthew Vaughn are married. So again, those were just clues. Like it didn't say Taylor wrote the book, but it's like, okay, Taylor is somewhat involved here because her name is a marketing, you know, I'm sure it's copywritten in so many different ways to not be able to be used like this. So we just assumed that some way Taylor is tied, even if she didn't write it. So to know now that he's pretending like he didn't know, or he's just not giving us the date that he knew, and that today is January 16th, it is exactly a week since they launched the book, meaning they got a full round on the New York Times bestsellers because New York Times bestsellers runs from a Tuesday to a Monday. That's why so many books are released on Tuesday so they can have the full week to get like their full first week of sales is like going towards that count. So for him to come clean on the very first day in which he is no longer counting his first week of sales is fucking crazy. Like the amount of people even in your comment section. So Jesse made a video and people are like, I can't believe I bought this book. I'm canceling my pre-order. Um, not because we're mad that it's not Taylor. It's like there's so many people doubted it. Like even we, I think you said like yeah. 70% thought it was true. It's the fact of the timing around all of this and the, that they are now coming clean and he's pretending like he didn't know. Like they would have been better off just to kind of like skate past it and not do anything or to have somebody from Taylor's team come clean. But for the creator of the movie, after all of this, to say that he didn't know when his wife runs in, I mean, it's just, there's too many pieces here where you're like, you're just fucking lying, dude. Like you're, you're just pretending. And we are such a powerhouse as Swifties. We will buy anything that we think is semi-related to Taylor. And like, there's no shame in that. Like, I don't have any shame that I bought the audiobook. It's more just the fact that it was so obvious. So. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I do believe he lied and, and I think it was a marketing strategy and I think he used us Swifties as a fan base for sure to promote this book in this movie. I mean, you can watch my TikTok video that I did on it and it gives a lot of reasons why I made the first video, like the, the likeness to Taylor and why I thought of the theory in the first place. But yeah, it's just wow. For me, it's the Penguin Random House Publishing. So it, it came from Random House Publishing, the inbox notifications, because Ping, it's a kind of like a parent-child relationship with the companies. I had to look it up. Um, but Random House Publishing reached out to all of these Swifty creators and said, do you want a free book, a free copy of the book Argyle by Ellie Conway? And then in parentheses, black and white said, or Taylor Swift, question mark. And to me, I work in marketing. That is not some rogue person who's just going ham on their keyboard, right? That was pre-approved. There was a team that sat down and planned this, and then they scoped out creators to reach out into their inbox. I have personally worked with companies where I get reached out through by other agencies. So like an agency will reach out on behalf of the company. This is Penguin Random House. Like this is Random House. The inbox came from Random House Publishing. There was no like, oops, uh, we didn't know that the agency was doing that on our behalf. No, the company reached out. And a lot of times companies don't reach out on behalf of themselves because they don't have the resources to go find the creators. It's a lot of work. And so they knew who to target. They wanted Swifties. They easily, I'm sure people who work there follow big Swift talkers. So like Swift talkers of all sizes too. This wasn't just let's go after the biggest ones and get the most exposure. It wasn't an exposure play. It was a Swifty play. It was let's go after creators who make their content specifically about Taylor Swift. Let's give them a book so that they talk about it because we know that the Swifty community is speculating. 
it's just now it's just kind of gross like if they didn't do that like there's so many things that like if it didn't happen in that way i might feel a little better but it's like now that all the pieces are out to play it's like well this is not that's not a good situation it's not it's not a good look it's not a good look for the film. It's not a good like for Matthew Vaughn or look for Matthew Vaughn. It's not a good look for Jason Fuchs, who wrote the screenplay. And who the hell is Ellie Conway? Like I normally think she- an author will do a book tour. They will do a book signing. They will be in with the promotion of the film. You guys got to realize too, this is supposedly an unpublished author that has never you know had a book published before and matthew vaughn supposedly pays and the studio pays them 200 million dollars for the rights for argyle you don't do that with an unknown was the so did the book get bought for 200 million or is the production to it no i don't know it was the rights it was the rights to the book so they could make the screenplay Okay, so one thing, if you guys um, kind of circling back, the actual plot of the movie is centered around actions that happen in the book. Norma, who actually came up with TSBN, um, Norma Reckus is her uh, TikTok. If you want to follow her, she was talking about, so she read the book thoroughly, and she was talking about how she thinks, regardless of who it is, the whole concept of it is that you've read through this book, you understand the characters, you know where it's going. Maybe it kind of ends on an unfinished note. And the idea is that you go into the movie theater, and like you said, Jesse, it picks up on, like I think, the fourth book of the series and so now you're in the movie theater and it's she was talking about how it kind of creates this like immersive experience where like you're going into the movie theater already knowing about the book that the characters are going to bring to life kind of like Narnia-ish right um and so she was saying that regardless of who it is that's probably the experience they're trying to create and I had messaged her and I was like do you think it's Matthew Vaughn then that wrote it because it says from the twisted mind of Matthew Vaughn all over the marketing this is before any of this came out right I'm, I'm messaging Norma like do you think this and it's now i'm starting to question that if that is like if there is no ellie conway if ellie conway seriously is just a character and they they came up with this concept where they're like let's bring a book a spy novel like high action book to life through this author who's a character but we need a real book let's release the real book ahead of it and then so that's where i question if there is no Ellie Conway and there is no true author, I mean, there could be ghostwriters on this. Somebody, <laughs> I saw somebody I in your comments, but I've also seen other people say maybe it's AI. I mean, I definitely think it's probably a pen name. What I will not be excited about if this, if it turns out to be a man hiding behind a, a woman's pseudonym, honestly. Yeah. Agreed. Well, it very likely is because here's here was always my stipulation with Taylor being the maybe potential writer of Argyle is in the like epilogue or whatever they call that where Ellie herself wrote about the inspiration for the book. She talks about going through a really hard time in her life and how when she was kind of getting through that and finding inspiration, the character for Agent Argyle just kind of came to her in a dream fully formed and she just said that the book started writing itself. Well, why would I'm sorry, why would Taylor in her dream have a fully formed man? Why would the why would the the hero of the the main character be a man? That was always one of the reasons why I kind of was hesitant about why it could or couldn't be Taylor Swift. But now I'm starting to wonder if it is a man because a man would write the hero and the main character of the book to be a man. Not to say it's always like that, but um, yeah, it just feels a little bit weird. And now I'm questioning how she, she, Ellie Conway, I'm putting that in quotes, said the book wrote itself. Maybe it is fucking AI. Maybe. I mean, at this point, we don't know much. All we know is what Matthew said in the Rolling Stone article, which is enough for me to not continue with this theory. Um, yeah. I probably won't be posting about this theory anymore. I really don't want to get it, give it any more marketing. Um, I'm a little, I I'm just, and it's, and it's not, you know, you have people say, well, you're the one fueling it. You're, it was your idea. You're the one that put it out there in the first place. Well, here's the thing. It came from other 
other sources. Like the theory developed because they were pushing it down our throat. So well, then the theory was only a theory as long as it was allowed to live, right? And that was in October and we are in January and this is the first time in named sources come out. There are plenty of people even in your comment section of that video who were like, they said it wasn't her months ago. No, we have followed the route of all of those rumors. And there was one source for Vanity Fair that they said they said they had a source that confirmed they didn't name the source. They didn't name how they know the source. It was the most vague journalistic shit ever. No, mm -hmm. like no explanation to how. Right. And so the other one was the J.K. Rowling rumor, but that was a blind item. And if you know about blind items, it's just an anonymous post to a gossip website. So, again, it's like. The problem is a creator makes a video about it very confidently. People see that they take it for the word that they give and then they go into your comment section or anybody else's and are like, it was already confirmed that it wasn't her. And it's like, well, not truly. And that's where even you had said on the first part of this episode until somebody comes out and literally says it's not Taylor Swift, which again, a Vanity Fair journalist saying they had a source that said it is not the same as somebody like Matthew Vaughn coming out or Tree Payne, somebody mm -hmm. who says with their whole chest and their full name written in the article until that happened we were gonna continue to you know theorize and so for them to say you guys fed the theory or you let it fly like no there are plenty of people this was not some sidebar TikTok woohoo to lulu thing this was in vanity fair and vogue like yep. and amongst other major publications this was a huge news story at the end of 2023 and nobody involved in the movie came out and said anything no i wonder why because they got the marketing free marketing for it they got their money they got their money <laughs> got their money so that's yeah. kind of where we're at with it right now um I really, I mean, I really don't have much else to say other than, you know, what I said in my TikTok video and what I've said on here. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and just plug where you can find more. So we talked about we would do maybe a full episode. Again, I don't think we should give it any more breath. Jesse mm -hmm. on TikTok, it, if you just search Jesse Swift Talk, you'll find her. Um, go to her page. Also follow it. But there is a whole playlist where you can watch through all the videos so you can get fully caught up on all the ways. Like this is undeniably tailor coded. They baited. And again, the fucking publishing house, random publishing house, reached used out to Swifties name. and used her name black and white. I question if Taylor's team knows that, right? Because, you know, it's it's all a little gray until you put it in black and white in your official company. So we will see, like we said, we're probably not going to give it much more breath, but, um, but if you want to learn more, go follow her. And then I guess as we wrap up this episode, um, just want to remind you guys that we do have on our website, tspodnetwork.com, a Q&A. Jesse, we actually got a question or two today that I'm really excited about. Some random ones, like very random. Really? Yeah. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so people are the words out. So um, definitely go on, even if it's the most obscure thing. Like somebody had asked about two surprise song pairings and what we think about it. So like if you've got things that are just trickling in your mind, Jesse and I will do our best to try and get as many of them as possible on the pod. Um, so until next week, we will be keeping an eye out for theories. We definitely still need to do our 2023 recap. So we'll include that on next week's episode because, I mean, as long as it's still January, I think we can get by with a 2023 recap. So we'll fit that in. Um, but we'll do our best to film a little bit closer to when we launch so we don't have to do these uh, last minute things. But catch us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, all the major podcast networks. Give us five stars if you haven't already. And as always, we love you guys. Bye.